theme song, take one. It's cock. I'm s- cock. Cock. I'm saying it with an A. Cock. No, no. Cock. I know, but it's pronounced cock. It's no, different. No, it's not. No, yeah. you. Okay, you are wrong. You, pull, pull it up on your little computer. I will and do the. It's. I black. will. I will put the sound recording in. Cock. Hey everybody, this is Chris. And this is Rain to Gray. And we are talking about a conversation we had the other day. Black cock. 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 Because she called me on the phone, and the first thing that I heard when I said hello was, I need black cock. (laughs) And I was surprised, and I informed her that I'm sure that we could find somebody to help her out with that. See, you are misunderstanding what I'm saying, because my kitchen sink, the cock on it, has become degraded and I need to replace it and I wanted to do it in black not white the it turns- caulking caulking and as it turns out it is incredibly hard to find black caulk for kitchen sinks and then you went on to tell me the story once I answered the phone and you said I need black caulk not caulk you went on to tell me the story that you went to Home Depot. And, and let's uh, recount that story for the listeners real quick, shall we? Well, I'm really into home improvement and I love caulking. It's a very effective way to help tidy up the house, seal up leaks. My kitchen sink has degraded around the side and it's molding. And I came up with the genius idea because my kitchen counter is black and the the white caulking around it has gotten all moldy and gross. So I said, aha, let me replace it with black. So I went on a quest to go find black cock. And as it turns out, that is harder to find than you might think. You can get off-white, you can get beige, you can get almond, you can get brilliant white, but black, not so much. I go to Home Depot and I walk in and I find the nearest... You're looking at me funny. You You can't see this, but he is looking at me funny right now with this weird... Continue on. Okay. So I walk up to the first lady I see and who is, who is wearing the orange Home Depot apron and I inform her that I need black cock, which I did. And she, I will be, I will be honest, she looked at me a little funny and I said for kitchen sinks for caulking and she said aisle seven and I went to aisle seven and there is every color of caulk other than black, every shade you can just no fucking black. So then I found someone else in the aisle that also had the orange apron, and I asked him for black cock. He he did happen to be a black guy. So I don't know if that was awkward. It wasn't awkward for me, and he went and looked it up, and it turns out they don't have any black cock, so it's actually really hard to find. So I left Home Depot and called you and informed you of my need for black cock. However, you could have explained that in a different way instead of saying, when I answered the phone, I need black cock. I, I needed it. It was really hard to find. It's pronounced cock. No, you're. this is where you're wrong. I, I theorize you are a straight, open-minded, but, but heterosexual man, and you are so uncomfortable with saying cock 
that you make it all calk and you put the L is silent. Calk. It's calk. calk. Okay, we've we've listened to I it. I will. I'll throw it in there for the listening audience you, to determine. Calk. calk. But I know that there is calk. a small part of your perverted, kinky little brain that loved going around saying, I need black cock. Going to Home Depot, going up to well, random people. I'm not random, they're employees. They're going their up to job is employees. to help find me cock. If I need it, that's their job. That's, yeah. what they're, that's why they're wearing the orange apron. But you, there's there's other ways you could have explained it instead of just going up to somebody and saying, I need black cock. That is what happened because that was what I needed. I can tell by the look on your face that there is a part of you that- Innocent, this in, uh, you're making this a perverted thing. There's, there's a look on your face, a twinkle in your eye that says to me, you, grew, you gained great pleasure in going around Home Depot saying, I need black cock. I only said it twice to two different employees that both happened to be black. So that was a little odd. But I know that deep in those recesses of your kinky little twisted brain, you You're knew. You're such a pervert. You knew. Lies. It's true. Lies. I can tell by the way it's looking on you're your make, face. You're, you, you are making a big deal about this. I'm letting you know it was it was a home improvement need that I now have had filled. We went to Home Depot and yeah. you helped secure a black cock for me and I'm very appreciative. So your need for black cock has now been filled. It has been deeply filled. Thank you. Uh, sure. Yeah, we got you a big tube of black caulk when we went to Home Depot the other day. You are so un- I have I have checked with contractors. We have this has been an ongoing debate by the way. I have checked with contractors. They are on my side. I have I have asked numerous guys and they they pronounce that what it what they're all fucking with me? I don't think so. It's caulk. You're you're over accenting the L because it makes you uncomfortable to pronounce. It's a it quick properly. L, Calk. Yeah, you're. That's a you're you're really stretching out that L. It's Why a would they L. throw a silent L into the word? That's how it's pronounced. It's pronounced different in England, but the American version is Calk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll settle this. I, I'll play some. Well, please do. Cog, listeners. Here. I we would like to hear your opinions too. Please call in. Cog. Yeah, give us your opinions on black cock. <laughs> Call in at 614-R-D-E-G-R-E-Y. That is 614-733-4739. And let us know how you feel about Blackhawk. Yes. And we're also taking other questions. If you have any other questions for the podcast, feel free. Give us a call. Leave a message. We would love to hear from you. Cock. 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 Cock, 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 cock. If you've been enjoying this podcast so far, this is the moment where I want to reach out to all of our listeners and remind you that this podcast is not possible without your support. If you enjoy what I'm doing, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the advice column, if you enjoy the articles, go ahead and head on over to raindegray.com that has everything collected in one handy place. And look me up on Patreon, Rain to Gray on Patreon. I am so grateful for everyone that reaches out and likes what I'm doing and supports me. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy what we're creating, please consider supporting me on Patreon. It makes all the difference. Thank you so much.
we're going to be doing a little something different today. A, a couple days ago, you had a phone interview with the Miss Nina Hartley. The one, the only. Nina Hartley. And I give permission to be recorded. And it proved to be a little difficult at first because it turns out that everybody on Skype is named Nina Hartley. There are a ton of Nina Hartleys. And the creepiest thing is it's the same age. They use her photo. And we went to set up the, the Skype phone interview. We didn't know which one it was. That is actually a commonly used name. And I can't help but believe that all of these fake Nina Hartleys using her photo and age and details on Skype are probably up to somewhat nefarious things. Yeah, so we spent a good half hour messaging <laughs> random spam Nina Hartleys on are Skype. Are you the Nina Hartley? Are you there? Hello? And we were talking to her on the phone and she kept saying, I'm not getting anything. Where are you? I said, where are you? And she said, I'm Nina Hartley on Skype. And I said, there's a lot of them. everybody else seems to be Nina Hartley on Skype as well. <laughs> but the interview went great. And we aren't going to have anything else for you today. No news bits. Tidbits. No news bits today because Nina basically hijacked well, the that, podcast. And that's, no, that's a strong word. First off, she is a very intelligent, enthusiastic, and verbose lady. Right up my alley. And I knew going in, she's a talker, and she's enthusiastic, and she has a lot to say. So really, we started the the interview, and it, we just kept going. She had, a, she had so much to say that we actually ran out of time before we ran out of words. We had to wrap the interview because she needed to go and do other things, but we were still mid-conversation. So there will probably be a Nina Hartley part two. I know she said she wanted to come back on, talk to you some more. You guys had a lovely conversation, which I tried to guide in my best way, <laughs> and you two kept ignoring me well, as I was yelling at you from the corner. Yes, this is true. Saying, hey, let's start the interview, but you two couldn't stop chatting long enough mm -hmm. to actually start the interview. Okay, well, this is the warm-up. This is foreplay. What do you have yes. against foreplay? Well, I when, am when she, getting... When she says we're going for real, I will switch right. into this um, conversation I'm, mode. I'm getting I'm this pro. woman lubricated, okay? Let me lubricate her. My goodness. Woo. True. So this is going to be an editing challenge for me. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You'll hear the finalized version of it. I'm sure you all appreciate it. I will know that a lot of hard work went into polishing up that rambling conversation lengthy rambling and very very cheerful conversation that we had it's like a tapestry this is good for your editing skills you're welcome i'm i'm helpful yeah so give them your spiel and then we're going to the interview all right well i would like to say that our next guest needs no introduction but despite that fact i'm going to attempt to give her an introduction anyway she is the one the only nina hartley now, why is Nina Hartley a badass? She is a porn actress, a director, an educator, a sex-positive feminist, and an author. This is a very busy woman who does not sleep much. What is interesting, in addition to all of that, she graduated from San Francisco State University. As an undergraduate nursing school, she graduated magna cum laude, and she was a registered nurse. She did actually let her license expire, because it turns out, as much as she liked helping people via nursing, she liked helping people via orgasms more, which I can totally relate. She has done a number of books, a lot of educational films. She was a board member of the Woodhall Freedom Foundation. She is an outspoken sex-positive feminist, 
And one of the things that made her so effective at what she does is that she is very intelligent and articulate and is good at public speaking. And often when the porn industry would need a spokesperson, Nina Hartley would be the person recruited. Interesting side note, I don't know how many of you have actually watched Boogie Nights, but if you remember William H. Macy's character, the guy whose wife kept cheating on him all the time, and every time he turned around, she was banging someone, that actress was Nina Hartley. He had the famous line of, my wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway. Has an ass in her cock? She was the lady that had the ass in her cock in the driveway. Not the cock in her ass? I believe that's what the line was supposed to be, but if you watch the movie, I always love that line. Oh, did he? My wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway. (laughs) My fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right? I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film. I do remember that scene. I didn't didn't realize he flipped it. I'll have to. Interesting. Okay, that is indeed a famous line when you put it that way. I first met Nina Hartley. I had heard about her. I had met her at the Center for Sex and Culture New Date. And she was a gracious goddess surrounded by foaming fans that all wanted a little piece of her. She never got tired. She was always engaging. And halfway through the event, we ended up getting raided by the police because the Center for Sex and Culture was doing drinks. And it turns out that pink bits and alcohol, dangerous because people will get all riled up. And we had to put away the nipples. And Nina was a champ. And she said, not a problem. I have this. I used to do this all the time back in the day. And she took a can of hairspray, flipped it over, took some black electrical tape, whipped it around the bottom of it, cut it out, and ta-da, she had made in 30 seconds pasties. And everyone could cover up their nipples and the benefit could continue. So I managed to get a genuine pair of handmade Nina Hartley nipple pasties. Very exciting for me. I have them treasured to this day in my room. That was my first interaction with this woman. Now, where it gets a little more interesting is that I had a friend, Cincy Pearl, who moved down to L.A. because she was very good at the portings. And she sent me her phone number when she went and got a new phone number changed. And I know so little about tech stuff that I was sent a group thread with like 30 different people. And I was not aware of that. So I thought she was sending a message just to me. Hey, this is my new phone number. And I respond back, Merry Christmas. And I sent a photo of me dressed as a giant panda in my new Christmas panda onesie. And about 15 minutes later, my phone rings. I never pick up my phone if I don't recognize the number. I had no idea who the number was. And for whatever reason, I pick up the phone. (laughs) And a woman's voice on the other end is saying, This is Nina Hartley. Why are you sending me photos of you dressed as a giant panda? (laughs) And and I'm I'm trying to be calm and and wait, um, Nina, Nina, the the Nina Hartley. Um, there's an explanation, woman. I'm I'm. Do you have a panda fetish? Anyhow, this is what I look like as a panda. That was my second second interaction with this woman. This was how I got her phone number, and to this day. I will come across articles or something where Nina's being the baddest of asses and I will send her little texts. I'm just, you're such an inspiration and thank you. Keep being you. And now we have her on the show. So welcome, Nina. We're so happy to have you. 
I am so thrilled to be here. I love these stories because I meet a lot of people, and so I don't always remember. I remember that I've met you, but I don't remember under what circumstances, so I love these stories. And that pasty story, that is a stripper in Richmond, Virginia taught me that trick 25 years ago about the pasties, and it was just like, ah, oh, I love this. But the secret to making tape pasties, you must then cut off a little bit of tape for the inside Sticky side to sticky side, so the end of your nipple doesn't get ripped off when you pull the thing off later. You have to slit it in the center like a pie to make, it, to make a slit, so it makes a little bit of a cone. And but right. then you must take a little piece, a little square of tape, another square of tape as big as the end of your nipple, and put it on the tip of the cone on the inside, sticky to sticky, so that the part of the cone that touches the end of your nipple is not itself sticky. Unless you're a masochist and you enjoy some nipple pain. But that's not the that's not the way I like my nipples intent, you know. When I so Ernest, so so my wonderful, wonderful master Ernest, one of the things he told me, and I, I realized that first masochists don't enjoy pain, we enjoy intensity. Mm, if true. I stub my if I stub my toe it hurts in a bad way, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. A toothache is still a toothache. But when we're excited or when the right person is applying the stimulation, I don't know about you, but the, the worse it gets, the more I laugh and giggle. Is that what you do? No, I scream and sob and start crying oh. and become would, an undone, sloppy mess of flesh. I would love to be able to come undone. It's so hard for me to come undone. So I just, I just start, I, I laugh to channel the energy. And they did some brain imaging and masochists, people who like intensity, we process our intensity through the pleasure centers as opposed to the fear centers. Hmm. Um, so it's just, so we know masochists are wired differently. We get different emotional benefit from intense stimulation in the right situation. I've found that my craving for intense stimulation isn't just masochism. It's across the board. In order for something to register for me, I tend to like very intense stimulation no matter what it is. So strong flavors, yeah, mm-hmm, intense mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. So you must like avant-garde jazz. Because <laughs> nothing, nothing is more confronting than avant-garde jazz when you're just sitting there in headphones and it's like, wow, this is just coming at me from all angles. <laughs> it's not Kenny G. So when did you realize you, were, you liked intense stimulation of this nature? Because I didn't know I was kinky until Ernest helped me name it. I knew that I never dreamt of him. I always dreamt of them. But I didn't have the word polyamory at the time. Swinging in the seventies, swinging was a word that they used. I failed at monogamy. I I cannot perform monogamy. I resent it. One of the things that Ernest really got me with, besides being smart and funny and and all the things, was many men. And you know this, Rain. Many men say they want a sexually adventuresome, mm-hmm. interested, voracious female partner, and then when, when they get it. One, La, la, la. And so what Ernest said, and he meant, in, he, and he means it, it's not something he says to sound cool, quote unquote, what you do with your body when I'm not using it, I don't care. I like that. That's a, I like that a lot. Not only is that I, I like that, but you have to realize that is rare as well. It is Tell hard to find oh an evolved man who can say that and mean it and be okay Thank with it. You. I was in an unhealthy three-way marriage for 20 years. I was legally married to the gentleman, and they were an established couple. They're still together, and I've never seen them again. It'll be too soon. So it was a 20-year chunk of my life. And when I finally got the courage or the mental health to leave, I said to myself, self, you will never again partner with somebody who is jealous or possessive. So I thought, you know what? It's going to be impossible to find a man to do that with. I'll have lovers and cast until I'm old. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I like cats and I like lovers. I've never been single. So you know what? I'll give it a go. And I'd already known Ernest since 1989. This was 2000. Um, <laughs> I met him on a set in 1989. And I'd been in the business five years. My then marriage to two other people were was, was already really unhealthy. But I was 11 years away from leaving mm. when I met him because okay. I had a high capacity for suffering. Um, and apparently <laughs> a very stubborn sense of you need to leave, lady. Uh, but that's another story. So I had been making movies for five years. Loved it absolutely great. I was here on a mission, not just for naked ladies, but to speak with a feminist lens from practice, not theory. Because at the time, in the mid-80s, all the porn talk mainly was from academic uh, anti-porn mm-hmm. feminists influenced by McKinnon and Dworkin and the energetic ancestors of Terry Nation, right, the prohibitionist wing of the feminist movement. So that in the 80s, the porn wars in the 80s resulted in a split in the feminist movement between pro and anti-censorship forces, and they're still fighting today. So I had not met anybody else in porn who was there because sex. They ended up there, they're party hamsters, they couldn't mm-hmm. make it in Hollywood, they have mm-hmm. parent issues, whatever. Mm-hmm. And here, Ernest is this cool guy with a great sense of humor um, who came from the straight film world because sex was his topic. And in our culture, if sex is your topic and you don't want to blink, porn is your medium. Mm-hmm. Because if you show if you show the bits, it makes it porn there, mm-hmm. period, end of sentence. So I was in the porn for the not just the naked ladies. because And the naked ladies, you didn't have to date. You didn't have to ascertain, did she want to go home with me? They showed up. She already clearly said yes because she's going to do a girl-girl with Nina Hartley. Yay! And then she leaves. And for me, it was just, so perfect. All the girls show up. I get to have my way with them. I get, and then they leave and they don't call. I don't have to, don't have to dinner with them. I don't have to hear about their cat. It was brilliant. I loved it. And I still do. Girls, girls, really girls, where girls? Um, because I tell my, this is a joke I tell all the time. And you're, and you're a cis female, so you understand. Free dick is easy. Fact. You shower, you shave, you, you shower, you shave, you go to a bar. Yo, free pussy. You want some? Okay. And off you go. You know, it may not be good dick, but you can get free dick if you're a female person. And probably if you're a male person too, because men. Right. Um, bless them. But women, especially in the 80s, if they're, you know, lesbians were not sleeping with bi women and lesbians were not sleeping with cis femme women. And I, while I have the heart of a butch, I present very femme. I'm, I'm actually, I have great passing privilege. And so for 35 years, I've been a... A Trojan horse for queer culture, and finally in the last five years, queer culture has finally started to invade mainstream porn in a meaningful way. And, okay, full disclosure, Ernest was my affair partner from 1991 to 1992, and then I broke up with him instead of breaking up with them, because mm. I had eight more years of suffering to live through and learn from. Yay! <laughs> Don't be stubborn, ladies. Leave if you're unhappy. So by the time I left the marriage... I knew, obviously I knew Ernest and I knew how good sex was. So it turns out that he is, apparently like your dad, not jealous or possessive. And he needs, he needs to be in control when we're playing. Because that's the dynamic. It's like, okay. And so I'm polymorphously perverse. Mm-hmm. Interesting sex, sign me up. And so while I'm not by nature submissive, one of my facets, one of my, one of my fractals is clearly sub-femme or Ernest wouldn't be attracted to me at all. So he was, he was a man who's fully, so I'm, I, like your daddy, he was, my Ernest was fully, Mm-hmm. a fully mature dominant one I got with him. He'd gone through all the shame, all the weirdness, all the guilt, and just realized what everybody wants in sex is for me to be my bad self. She wants it, I want it, so I'm going to have it. 
And so that's what probably makes your daddy good too. He has no shame in his game. And and so, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it, it is a delight as a strong, confident, fiercely feminist female. You hear men all the time, they think they can hang until the reality of it, until it yeah. actually comes to hanging, and they can't. They freak out, they panic. And I have had so many friends and acquaintances in the industry where they get into a relationship and the person knew what your job oh, was stop. going. Uh, but now that we're together, I don't want you to, or they start doing restrictions on the shoots, oh, limiting. Still, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Back oh, to the 80s. The so back, back in the 80s when you had snail mail, so a fan really had to be a fan to find a girl because we didn't have fan clubs very often. You had to travel to a convention. You had to, it took forever to finally get a, a paper letter to a star. And time and again, time and again, time and again, I, these women would be in the business. They start dating, and then she stops doing boy girl, and then she stops doing it. You know, then, then she ends up quitting and marrying. I mean, I don't know what they do. And to this day, you can still find people. Oh, and he doesn't want me to do boy girl. Well, is he going to pay you five k a month to take over the five boy girls you're giving up? Exactly. If you're going to be putting shoot restrictions, then you need to be putting money in my pocket to compensate for the money you have taken away with your restrictions. Thank you. And yeah. then I want to tell the girl, girl, what's your problem? But then again, let's say you and I are not are non traditional emotionally. So we we are non monogamous people. Correct. Many people in the business, many people making porn in their that's work. And for their relationship, mm -hmm. they want traditional monogamy. Porn should be just for, you know, swingers and queers and sex people. But mm -hmm. lots of people make porn who are using their sexuality to make money, but they're not engaged with it. And, of course, you and I both know that eventually harms their spirit and it's mm -hmm. not good for them. They have a right to do it. I get it. Whatever. But more people than you would expect who make porn are not themselves actually sexually boundary-pushing people. Like you, I've never been monogamous from day one, even in, in when I was a teenager, I was acting in non-monogamous ways, not cheating, but it, my sexuality is not wired towards monogamy. It's just no, not. No, never. My sister, 100%, quote unquote, a normie. She's completely a normie. And she's my full blood sister. And I'm like, one, why? Where is it written? <laughs> I just don't get it. It's an innate wiring. And when I look mm -hmm. at people that are full-blooded siblings, how wildly they can differ. Mm -hmm. Same parents, same upbringing, and the final product of the human is completely different with the wiring. I have a sister that is completely different than me. My daddy has sisters that are completely same mm -hmm. full-blooded sisters, but how mm -hmm. they approach life is different. Yes, it's the same parents, but the parents are in different stages of their development, economically, emotionally, marriage-wise. You are... The first, second, third, I'm the youngest of four. Um, mm -hmm. I was an afterthought. So you have to the same parents, but you didn't get the same parenting. True, true. What have I been the non-monogamous odd one, but what was firstborn, mm -hmm. right? My, bro my brother is 67. I would have had so much fun in the 60s and 70s. Girl, what? <laughs> hey. Um, but I was a kid, right? And, right. Uh, and I might have found my way to porn in the 70s, but that wasn't as nice a world as it is now. Although I would have been co-workers with Annie Sprinkle, and Kay Parker and all those. So it just would have been different. And would I have even gotten to porn? So all those, all those parallel universes where mm -hmm. if one thing in my life was different, I would have pinged over here instead of ponged over there. But I find that fa it's a fascinating. I topic. love the, the concept of parallel universes is one that you, me, and Chris discuss a lot. And oh my gosh, I'm all, all, I'm all over it. <laughs> in the parallel universe that doesn't exist, my parents would have been some kind of threesome with my dad as the beta 
romantic partner and some really strong butch as the other partner and my mom in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, 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 that is a parallel universe or a parallel universe. My dad would have, he never acted on his bisexual tendency, mm-hmm. but he did tell someone years ago that if this young man had been around when he was courting my mother, that he would have given my mother one for the money. Wow. You know, but, but so, so my parents were too old to not to be non-traditional, but my mother's sister was full on bull dyke lesbian with, was her partner for, for 55 years. And at family functions, there is Marge and Eleanor. And then her husband, my uncle Laurent and his girlfriend, Miriam, and no one ever said a word. Huh? They never divorced, but I'm sure they stopped sleeping together after the last kid was born because my aunt was basically gay <laughs> and my uncle wasn't. Um, so, so it's in the family and I have some gay cousins and I have an SM cousin. So it's, it's there. I have a niece who is fully kinky like me, hundred percent, hundred percent kinky like me, poly pan by the whole, the whole bit. The tendency jumps around in families. And when you talk to Ernest, you know, he'll, he'll talk about it. He has it. His mother had it. My father has it. I have it. My sister. An uncle had it. He has a normal uncle, a normal brother, a normal nephew, and a nephew with it. Hmm. The thing, the marker, the, right. the, the kink thing. So it is, it is, the tendency is absolutely innate and biological. Expression, of course, is cultural and gender-based. I'm a firm believer that it is innate and biological. For me, I do not come from a supersexual. My mother and father were never really into sex. They were hippies in a commune. Mm-hmm. And celibacy was the order of the day. Mm. Uh, there was not a lot of kink or or mm-hmm. poly or a lot of not that there was negative sexuality, but sexuality was also not a focus. Sure. So for me to end up the way I did, uh, to circle back around when you'd said, "How do you know?" I've I've told this story before, but for me, my my first indicator of who I was as a person is that I was eight years old and I was in front of a linen closet at midnight and I was supposed to be in bed and my mother found me. And she said, Rain, why are you standing in front of a linen closet at midnight? You're supposed to be in bed. And I said, oh, I'm getting a pillowcase to put over my head so I can imagine that the bad men have kidnapped me. I was live action role-playing abduction fantasies at the age of eight. Wow, see, you're much more, at eight, I was just dreaming of naked people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I wasn't. Do, I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing anything about it. I mean, I played naked girl games when I was six, and when I was twelve, I found the word bisexual, exhibitionist, and voyeur, and realized those resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Those re- those words, yes, because I I, I I realized at fourteen that the phase, that the the natural homosexual experimental phase was I wasn't not growing it. Mm-hmm. At fourteen, my interest in breasts was absolutely as strong as at twelve. I hadn't touched anybody's yet, but I still wanted to really badly. Mm-hmm. And then at 14, I found pornography, written pornography, Playboy magazines. I loved that, but also pure on right, smut. I was babysitting for people, and they had Daddy's Little Helper in School for Wives, and they had these great Victorian porn books, Autobiography of a Flea, Fanny Hill, and then a great collection called The Pearl, which was a pornographic serial magazine published in England in the 19th century. And I realized I liked all of this very much. And then, of course, the joy of sex and all this thing. I was probably easily 10 years older than you, if not older, maybe even 20. I'm not sure. 
I'd had a girlfriend at the time who was a little more bold than I was, we would have definitely been getting into orgies at 15 and 16 years old. Because it, if I had something to go with to try to, to get there, I would absolutely have. I wasn't interested in intercourse for myself, but I was interested in being around people fucking and helping them. And what does it do? Where does it go? What happens when a man crosses his legs? What happens when he bends over? I'd never seen a grown naked man bending over. I mean, that, that's, that's one, for me, the more I knew, the longer it took me to have sex for real. Hmm. I, really, I had to build a what did I think about it? What is it? Huh? What? I didn't date in high school. I did. I barely made out in high school. But in my brain, if I if I knew then what I know now, I would have been a hand job queen starting in tenth grade. <laughs> if I had known that I could have laid out the deal, look, topless hand job or nothing, what is it? Every boy would have taken the topless hand job. If only I had known. I was a big believer. I was a big believer in blowjobs because I viewed them as essentially a handshake with my mouth. Plus, I love that. Oh, I love that. That's great. Plus, mouths don't get pregnant. There so. you go. I love blowjobs to this day. I mean, I love cunnilingus to death, but blowjobs are so much fun. I just adore fellatio in every way. Well, they're they're like a, an adult pacifier. As a totally. totally. You, Especially you, with the foreskin. Oh, my God. Uncut men. Uh, <laughs> love it so someone, much. Someone is love. pointing at their dick right now and looking pleased. Oh, good. Well, one day when I get back to San Francisco, we'll have to see if daddy will take a d double blowjob. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hear I'm offering myself to your daddy. I don't even know if you have that agreement. He's, um, my agree he's my bright agreement. red and flushing. He's so cute. You are not the first person that has offered that when you get into the industry, they um, turns out that we are a friendly bunch. Isn't that right? It is. Oh, I, I, I find, I find it so absolutely. Um, and also, I'm, I'm assuming that you know, I, I have no idea about your dynamic. We're uh, very, dynamic, we're very open-minded. <clears throat> good. So my dynamic with Ernest is obviously what kind of sex I have with other people is entirely up to me. So I can certainly submit to any other male person that I want, but no mm -hmm. one else is my master. No one else is mm -hmm. my dominant. So, so he's my romantic partner. So I have no other romance brewing. And honestly, I don't really seek out submissive situations with other men because like you and your daddy, it's like, um, my master's You're, Ernest Green and he yeah. has so much more experience than you. He's so much better at all this shit than you are. The only time, but he does farm me out. If I really want to get tied up, Ernest doesn't do rope because he, for a long time, he permanently damaged himself doing being a professional rope uh, rigger in the 90s. So we How don't do How did he damage himself? What happened? For seven years, he worked for a company called HOM, and they put out magazines. Uh, I'm familiar with them, yeah. Dirty Stories. And so mm -hmm. anytime you see that dragon glove, that's Ernest. He found a way to put his mark in almost all of the pictures. Whenever there's a man's hand gripping her neck with a beautiful painted glove, that's Ernest's hand. And so three days a week, three setups a day, he would be speed bonding and unbounding mm. models, you know, um, mm. and in the John Willie style, the Western style bondage is before he discovered Shibari. He could get someone from zero to upside down suspension in 20 minutes, but that just took a toll. So the repetitive stress is, is mm -hmm. still there with him. And, and more importantly, he's not a rope fetishist. He mm -hmm. is a dominant fetishist, meaning he needs to be in control. He says, my idea of bondage is a locking collar and a 12-foot chain keeps her in the room and I'll do the rest, <laughs> which I appreciate. Um, so, but if someone loves rope, I love being tied up. I don't, I don't dislike it, but I don't crave it. I, I never grew up like you, you, you craved, a, you already were thinking of abduction fans at eight. And for me, I, 
I never had a submissive fantasy in my life, but I'm very agreeable. And when mm-hmm. I first met Ernest, he was smart and he was funny. He was Jewish. He was lefty. He was age appropriate and all the things. And if I needed to learn how to have sex from a submissive position in order to have sex with him, I'll learn it. Mm-hmm. I wanted his sexual attention. If I have to learn a new way of having sex to get it, I'll do that. Turned out, I don't know about you, but he's at a bore. Vanilla men bore me. It turns out. And uh, after 18 years, I still like fucking him. I'm still not bored. What the fuck? And I know it's the DS. I know it's the DS because that, that I, did, I didn't know I needed it. You didn't know found, you needed it until you had it. Once you right, had it and you're right. like, yeah. I mean, some girls dream of master. Mm-hmm. I knew I have several girlfriends who in, in, they always dreamt of master and I never dreamt of master, but I felt, so I fell in love with the man, not the role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but hey short of animals blood and poop if you like i'm very sexually i'm super sexually fluid it's like interesting okay mm-hmm. cool naked people excellent we mm-hmm. can take it from here so he he always wants to be in control it's never tiresome for him or boring it's like and i'm never bored mm-hmm. because for him dominance is ds sadism whatever is his primary language it's always a second language for me i have excellent vocabulary my accent's still pretty heavy i don't dream in ds he dreams in DF. I don't dream in DF. I would theorize that when you find that person, no matter what flavor it is, no matter what they're presenting, when you find that person that you click with on a deep, innate level that takes your breath away, you just know. Even yeah. 18 years down the road, that's still your person. And oh, yeah. certainly with someone like you, you've tried enough things that <laughs> most... <laughs> Most people are probably not still going to be taking your breath away after 18 years. It takes Correct. a certain specific set of skills and abilities to be able to captivate your attention. And yes. that's rare yeah. for, for all of us, not just for yeah. Nina Hartley. And, pl- but- and plus smarts. I mean, you're smart. So I could not be submissive to a person I did not think had more IQ points than I do. One of my you know hugest requirements is intelligence. Big brain. I like yeah. a big brain and a normal dick. <laughs> me too i'm not a size queen i like a nice six and under it's like yeah yes exactly people say, people say nina nina what's the best size cock it's like well six whatever, and under thank you whatever, very much whatever lets my knees go over your shoulders your balls slap my ass and they go oh yeah oh yeah more that size that is exactly the size i talk about this all the time Nobody in the world thinks more about dicks than dudes do. They are obsessed with dicks. Than straight dudes, yeah. The who the the biggest dick, mm-hmm. the biggest gun, the biggest pickup truck, the biggest muscles, and men think <laughs> that women are obsessed with huge dick. Here's my thought: I have worked with big dick on camera. Yeah. I don't want to have to climb that mountain every single day. No, thank you. I am no. a three-hole slut. I want all of my holes vigorously used for hours. Until and that, and that you need normal dick. That you need normal dick. And, and, and when you try, and, and I, I wish, when I teach my classes, one of the things I really try and let men know to set their mind at ease, there are five loud-mouthed size queens running around, ruining it for the rest of us, making these poor men self-conscious. The and- average size of a male's dick is around five to five and a half inches. That's nice. normal. That's normal. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. done articles, I've done research on it, and you have mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine-inch dudes running around. I have never turned down a man for having a dick too small. Never once. Right. Nope. I have had dudes drop their pants, not on camera, obviously, because that's the job, but off camera. I've had dudes drop their pants, and I have said, no, thank you, I'm passing on it. And they understand because they've been turned down before. 
There's actually a new device that is just coming out. I believe it's called the the O-Nut. It is a device because for so long, women just think, okay, pain is part of what can happen mm. with mm. having penetrative sex. I should send you the link to it. I'm actually going to... Please do. do. So it's, it's a little uh, s- soft device that goes at the base of the dicks to make sure that... Oh, the, bumper. Yeah, a bumper. I've been, I've, it's I've a dick using, bumper. I've been, bump, I've been using dick bumpers on my dildos off for, for years. So yeah, please do send, please send it. Uh, it's a great idea. Because mm-hmm. I understand, I understand the penetrator's desire to feel the pelvis hit the body of the penetratee. Because mm-hmm. that—that's a full stroke for them. Mm-hmm. And so for, and I like it too. I want to be slammed. I, I want to, yeah. I want to feel all that Yang energy. Come on, yeah. But for me, not to scream in pain, you have right. to. The Yang energy has to be. Mm-hmm pushed out through something less than six inches <laughs> amen so, preach it but but now 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 for cock worship on camera the bigger ones are just so beautiful and impressive it's right? beautiful it's, and impressive and uh, and i would it's, counter it's, 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 it's visual appealing. It's, it's visual it's visually appealing but um so for me i want to size so also i mean i do have i obviously you know we have rape fantasies and i love the idea of being woken up getting fucked and I want that. That means your dick needs to be of a size that, it, when it's hard, a little lube and it'll fit in, and I'll and I'll get there right away. If your dick is past a certain size, then I have to be all the way turned on before I can even start fucking you. Mm-hmm. And it takes me for fucking ever to get all the way turned on. It's mm-hmm. my, for, so for me, sizes. I tell people there's daily dick and special <laughs> occasion cock. Yes, and exactly. the difference is six inches. And that and that's it. And and then and then use pricing is a lot too. I, it really breaks my heart. And porn porn does it because porn is a cartoon. Right. Porn is live action cartoons for adults. Most people don't recognize that, and so mm-hmm. they think all the female pleasure is real, and they think that size of dick is what women want because we have such a bad sex education system in our culture. We, no one tells these young people mm-hmm. the difference between fantasy and actual. Your your mileage may vary. And so many times I've been with fans and the first thing they do is either they talk themselves out of an erection, which is always sad, or they apologize for their penis. I hate it when people apologize for something about their bodies over which they have no control. Right. The shape of their vulva, the size of their, the size of their junk. It's just like, sweetheart. And then I hold up two fingers, right? My, my, two, my two fingers in my right hand. And that is one inch wide, one half inch thick, and about three inches long. It's like, if I can get a woman off with this in my mouth, no penis is too small. That is a great line. I love that. I'm go- I'm definitely going to have to use it. One of the things that I point out in, in videos, because so you're, you're right, it's a live-action cartoon, if you actually look at these huge dicks, they're really only going in two or three inches. Meep, 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 meep. And mm-hmm. the whole bottom half of the dick is just hanging out in the cold. Well, and, that, that, and that's because they, that's why big dicks on camera, they're, they're theatrical, mm-hmm. they're dramatic, and mm-hmm. then they allow for you to see the penis, the, the vulva and the penis and, and long enough to get some camera in there. Mm-hmm. People say, Nina, what's the biggest cock you ever had? It's like, well, six inches plus the seven that didn't fit. <laughs> but the movie I did with uh, Miles Long, but Buddy Love, Buddy Love. And he had that 12 and a half inch white boy dick, just a thick slab of cock. It's like, what? <laughs> He'd been a rodeo fighter. He had, you know, he was just that guy. And 
the movie is uh, Amberlynn's Personal Best, 1987. Um, and it is a movie within a movie. So her character ends up running through a scene where Gina Fine, Buddy Love, and I are doing a three-way. And so I have both my hands on his cock, and there's still plenty of cock left. And I get my mouth on the head, and I go, and then Gina Fine goes, and I grab it, and then she hands it back, and it's like, fuck, what? So I grab it with both hands, and like, and then hand it back to her, all the way to the balls, what the fuck is she doing? And so I've discovered that I tell people all the time that deep throat's not necessary for a good head. Most men are happy with enthusiasm and no teeth. I mean, no, no, no blood. Deep, deep throat, like teeth. It, it's a parlor trick. It's, it's, it's a, a party trick that you do because hmm. visually it looks good. But if you have a mouth on the end of your dick, no one's complaining. And exactly. if you think about it with deep throating, the analogy I always use is that the best deep throaters in the world are circus sword swallowers. It's For just sure. a bunch of shirtless dudes wearing vests with mustaches and stripy yeah. pants hanging out in the back of a tent performing yeah. the world's best filet show. For sure. I can't do deep throat, but I have one of the party trick of the gaggy, sloppy, out of control blowjob where you're coughing and gagging and oh, oh, you're just about to heave, but not. So I did it by making friends with my gag reflex and mm -hmm. realizing, oh, it's not, when you're in control, it's not scary. When it's not in control, then it's terrifying. But it's like, I got this. Put the dick in the back of your throat until you feel your authentic, your authentic muscles start to gag. And then I, I, I open my mouth. I start breathing around the cock and I will generate a cough reflex. I'm coughing and gagging and slobbering and coughing and gagging and tearing and it feels out of control. Mm -hmm. And then if I take the dick out of my mouth, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But for the duration of it, it is an authentic physiological response. I am choking, gagging, but I'm not terrified. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Wait, what? So, I'm not, so I'm not traumatized by it. I don't right. feel like I'm being raped or, or overpowered in an, un, in an unpleasant or unwelcome way. And it looks great on camera. Right. Not being what people don't realize with really deep, well, many people don't realize, I don't want to make yeah. a blanket statement, is that really deep, deep throat is absolute breath control. There is no right. air going in. Right. And when I hear these master Domly types that are like, I'm going to train my slave to be the most submissive cocksucker ever, if she can't breathe, it doesn't matter how submissive her headspace is, at a certain point, you're not going to be able to get on top of the fact that you can't get air. And No, no, I, yeah, for sure. The reptilian part of your brain mm -hmm. will go, you know, get Fuck this that. out now. Right. What's this shit? I don't care. So my thing, I'm enthusiastic with cock. The owner of the dick clearly knows that I love dick. And this one, so what makes you and me good at this job is we... I love women, and you're one. <laughs> oh, you know, shucks. I love men, and here's <laughs> right. one. Right. You know, so I, I like the idea of men. I like the idea of bodies, and, and here's one. Mm -hmm. And so for me, everything being equal for grooming, hygiene, manners, and mm -hmm. safety, I am absolutely interested in sharing sexual space with any consenting adult at least once. I used to say I, I used to say I wanted to fuck all my fans, but I realized that is offering too much. So when I say share sexual space. That doesn't that doesn't promise a body part or a behavior, right? But it does promise an intention. I am intensely interested in people in sexual manner, and I'm not going to be arrested, made ill, or beaten up. So what what do you got? What do you want to do? I, so I'm a facilitator. I, I'm here. I'm I'm here. I'm also a nurse. Don't forget, I'm training as a nurse. I was going to be a midwife, and 
you probably also hear this. Oh, my partner can't give me an orgasm. I can't give my partner an orgasm. I don't want to say not your job, not their job. Exactly. My job is to make you feel safe enough that you can get your orgasm that way. I'll help. Hold your hat. Hold your foot. Hold the loop. Hold your hair. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I don't give any I don't give anyone an orgasm any more than the midwife gives the mother the baby. I'm actually really glad you brought that up. And that's that's a huge point that I teach in my classes that I firmly believe that we are too orgasm focused. Sharing sexual space with someone, it's about the journey, not the destination. We are so focused on the destination that the journey isn't valid unless there's an orgasm payoff. I give a homework assignment in all of my classes. One of my first homework assignments is the next time that you have an sexual encounter with someone no orgasms. Take the orgasms off the table. Take the pressure of the orgasms off the table. Share sexual space with someone and enjoy that moment without it being so goal-oriented. A, Mm -hmm. by taking the pressure of the goal off, you're increasing your chances of actually having an orgasm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an orgasm, so the fuck what? My orgasms are very hard to come by. I'm singly orgasmic. Women who are multi-orgasmic, I love pillow princesses because I'm a major service top with women. I don't usually bottom to women very rarely and on camera or off and take the very special female to make me want to go, okay. My orgasm takes for fucking ever. And if we make that focus, oh my God. So can I I, I elaborate? I'm I'm a little curious about that because I... Not only am I multi-orgasmic, but I can generally have an I can generally have an orgasm in about thirty seconds, and I can have I can have around fifty orgasms a day if I put my if I put You're my, like my ex girlfriend. You're just like my ex girlfriend, <laughs> although she was basically vanilla and a cock hound. She, oh my god, I did. She was a lot of fun, but it's like, and so this is when I would meet people like you at a swing party. I'd feel so good to give her three or four. And then I'd feel somebody else and realize, oh, it's her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling all that. I'm feeling so good. I'm all that. And a bag of chips, too. And no, you're not. (laughs) And I tried for years to become multi-orgasmic. I thought, okay, you know, Betty, the Betty Dotson method, got her book. And back when I was uh, 16, 17, and was masturbating and For me, sex has always been from the head down. It's very rarely been from the vulva up. My vulva never said, go out and feed me. It never told me that. So sex was always a mental game for me. So I worked on expanding my pleasure and get rid of my shame. La, 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 la. And I learned learned how to make my one orgasm bigger, longer, stronger, deeper, more satisfying. I could play with the energy, but one. So once you've had it, you're you're done. What's once your refractory I had it, period? I had it, my my um my refractory period could be up to a week in terms of when I need it again. Um, but once I'm done, then my hands, and my mouth is still available. Huh. I'm totally down to to help to keep to put on a strap on and fuck somebody to. But once I have an orgasm, my vulva really doesn't need any more attention for at least at least a day. So if I if I let lust tell me when to masturbate, it would maybe be weekly, maybe. Wow. In terms of my vulva going, I fucking need some attention. You pay attention to me right now. But I'm always interested in sex. And for me, sex, sex is I'm, I want to, quote unquote, have it when another person is in the room with me who's interested. And if another person is not in the room, I like books a lot. I love you. <laughs> so, you know, books are where it's at and think about brains yes. and, and all the human, yes. the human animal. And that's, yes. the nurse, that's the nurse in me. Sure. And then, of course, I always felt like an alien. I don't, I don't want the things that other people want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is going on here? I tell people I'm not a girl, but I play one on TV. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like an alien. And 
it turns out that in this culture, in this time and place, an alien has taken the shape of a quote unquote pretty girl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has a kind of access and abilities and powers that other shapes of people don't have. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Spock, and so I'm always interested in the mating habits of humans. It's so fascinating to me. I'm right. so Spockian. I think about sex totally as Spockian. Oh my God. I aspire to be a Vulcan, but I have Romulan tendencies. So. Oh my. <laughs> You I are a fun switch. I might be able to switch with you. That'd be really <laughs> awesome. Um, I have a one playmate now that we're, 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 we're in the heavy flirt stage and we haven't mm-hmm. really done much yet, but it's mm-hmm. been super awesome fun. And she, we're almost exactly the same size and height. Mm-hmm. So switching with her is going to be so much fun. She's younger, but we're about the same strength, I think. Mm-hmm. But she's mm-hmm. got more testosterone because she's 20 years younger than 25 <laughs> I I always felt that I was given a little extra testosterone and I'm I'm tall, I have big hands, I have a deep voice, I have a high sex drive. I've had people that have tried to slam me and oh you must be, you know, a TS or something. Which oh, a geez. that a that's not an Nothing insult. That. That's right. not an insult, but I I feel that the extra testosterone I was given was a benefit to me. And when oh, I look sure. at how sprawly and, and full of emotion and irrational and, and women can be, when it, I'm like, let's just fuck. Like, let's, let's just Thank do... You. Oh, my God. I'm just like a gay guy. It's like, okay, I'm here for the hand job. I'm here for the hand job. For me, a hand job is as good as a handshake. Just, you know, a glory hole. Just, right. just stick it through the hole. Right. Let me have my phone with it. I'll give it back to you in better than original condition. <laughs> but stop talking. Right. Stop talking. <laughs> So, uh, yes. And yes. I love Sam's, but Sam's can be crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. One of our most amazing part, play, she got the extra estrogen, and she she ended up having to, to go because she was she was batshit. But mm-hmm. while she was here, mad great fuck. Unbelievably great fuck. But we could, the fuck wasn't, as our Ernest likes to say, as long as the ratio orgasms to hysterical phone calls is four to one, you're okay. As soon as the ratio becomes one to four, you got to go. <laughs> I, I am afraid that I have uh, almost a zero tolerance policy on hysterical phone calls. I well, we're there now, but when he's young, <laughs> when he's younger, um, he had a little more tolerance. Now okay. he ha- now he has me. He has zero tolerance, and I right. and I have zero to- zero to- If you feel jealous, I don't want to hear about it because that is a hard limit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, no, mm-hmm. no. You do not get to tell me anything mm-hmm. about what to do with my body when I'm not with you. That's just a, whatever. I don't. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> you I don't get to do that. And, I've uh, I've found by having really strong, healthy boundaries mm-hmm. that you end up surrounded by people that respect those strong, healthy boundaries. Right? If you have a zero drama tolerance policy, yes. you're yes. going to attract people to your life. And the people that want to be crazy, wing nuts full of drama, they'll go somewhere else because there isn't space exactly. for them in your life. We've yeah. the same thing. Yeah. No, back when we could talk for hours on this, I'm, um, and we'll have to do this again. There's so much more that I want to discuss, but alas, time is our enemy. This was even more fun than I expected, and I knew it was going to be fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to promote or pitch before we call a wrap for today? Well, thank you. I'm on Twitter a lot. My handle is Nina Land, uh, like Disneyland, only Nina Land. And my not safe for work is Nina.com. And you can find me on Clips for Sale and many vids. Excellent. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I'm sure we'll do it again. Fantastic. It's wonderful talking to you. Finally, you have a great day. (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, my God. That was a blast. I knew that Nina was a talker. I did not anticipate that we would 
run out of time before he ran out of things to say. One of the things that I didn't actually anticipate that was a little surprising to me because Nina is such a badass, dedicated feminist, she is deeply involved in a fairly committed DS master-slave dynamic. And I don't know if you caught it in the interview she was mentioning about collars and cuffs. Any of you out there that are in the lifestyle are aware of eternity collars and cuffs. People will be collared, but they can also have shackles, metal eternity shackles bands on their wrists and occasionally on their ankles. And throughout the course of their interview, I was hearing some jingling. I am theorizing that she is cuffed at her house because the metallic jangling I, I was hearing while she was talking when she was moving her hands sounded less like jewelry bracelets and more like cuffs. I didn't want to ask her. I don't want to be presumptuous and say what people are wearing. But if any of you hear jingling, it's because we suspect that she is collared and cuffed while at her house. Again, if you want to call in and leave some questions for future podcasts, we can be reached at 614-733-4739 or 614-R-Degray. The podcast can also be found on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. Please, if you like what we're doing, follow and rate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you next time. Keep it kinky, my friends. Bye.